1: Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic butter, shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.
2: Before we begin today, I just want to give a quick apology for the sound quality of my mic. During this episode, um, there was a technical difficulty and we just had to go uh, with my laptop's internal mic. So the quality won't be as good, and I apologise, but it should all be sorted for next week's episode. Thanks.
3: I'm Sam Legasic. And I'm dreadful Dan Gallagher. And we're two old buddies that have lived our life at the edge of the mainstream. So come join us
2: where things are a little... odd. This is the. You've got to believe
0: It's alive! It's loose! This earth of yours will be reduced to a burned-out cinder.
2: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Podcast: Movies, Music, and Gaming. And here with me is Dr. Tr- 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 Fr- Danji. Hi, Dan.
3: Hi, Sam. And hello, human oddities.
2: Mm. Yeah, the, the oddballs of the, of the world. Um, how's, your, how's your week been, Dan? What have you been? Have you been playing, watching, listening to anything in particular?
3: Loads, actually. Um, yeah, been listening to a lot of music. Um... Do you know the band The Cheebs?
2: I don't know. I don't think so.
3: They're this band that, I think I heard one song and I quite liked it. And so I bought the album it was from. And at that point I got into like a weird kind of obsessive mindset of every time I saw one of their albums I just think, oh, Cheebs are a band that I collect and i just buy it. So <laughs> I've got too many records and I had to go through and try and uh, take some stuff out, and I just thought the Tubes. I'm not convinced. I even. I mean, I've never listened to any of these albums that I bought. So mm-hmm. I just went. I'm going to get rid of the Tubes, but I'm going to listen to them before I get rid of them. So mm-hmm. I've been listening to every single album by the Tubes. They're a, they're from I think the first album's 1975. So it's like this and a big camp glam rock kind of like Rocky Horror style kind of music with like power pop and some kind of like broadway theatrics and stuff um they're all right okay. they're all right white punks on dope is the good song that i like
2: it's a so, good song
3: i've been listening to yeah a lot of tubes probably more tubes than any other person in 2020 is listening to <laughs> you know what dan <laughs>
2: y- youtube <laughs> i will <laughs> i will it's um, probably a better joke in some way. To be honest, but that's all I could think of at <laughs> the moment. Uh, um, aside aside from okay, the cool. YouTube's been listening to
3: um, a band called the Swirlies. Nope. Me neither. I was like, nope. Um, but they're from 1993 indie rock band, mm. and this like a, a album. It's called Blonder Tongue Audio Baton. Right. It's like it's been. Pitch perfectly recorded for my personal tastes. It's Mm -hmm. just the right kind of balance of kind of like noisy angularity with nice pop melodies. Mm -hmm. Just a really good indie pop album that I missed. I'd never heard of the band before. Um, So
2: that was nice. Quite excited about that. Have you heard of this term? uh, What was it I read the other day? Indie landfill. I think is what it's called. No, was that? Um, Apparently, I think it's Vice. I've been making a thing of it, but it was a... um, it's a term for basically and I might be completely wrong because I I, I skimmed it but um, I like the idea of it it's post Brit pop like indie basically like the music scene where it's just like all these shitty indie bands basically came out of nowhere and we're doing basically the kind of the same thing Um, and yeah it's from that era well like like, British thousands Um, yeah mainly British or whatever just like yeah, post- yeah, yeah, there was a lot of, of, A lot of bad yeah, l- 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 Indie Landfill, Landfill Indie Or something like that, it's just the fact that it was just like <laughs> Just tons of it And um, it was mostly shit which, yeah. uh, I can see I can remember all that <laughs> um, This predates that, anyway
3: and These these are like, you know, American Collegiate kind of band 1993, so kind of It's kind of Pixies-ish, I, guess, I suppose But a bit more um, I don't poppy
2: Okay. Um, Have you been watching anything?
3: I saw um, Rebecca for the first time. Oh, yeah. Uh, The Hitchcock film.
2: Hitchcock. It's great. been waiting
3: on that. For some reason, I decided I I had high expectations. so I've been, like, Mm. sitting on it for years. Mm. (laughs) I watched it and, uh, unsurprisingly, didn't meet my huge expectations, but I did really enjoy it.
2: Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, it's not, like, his best, but I I do really like it. I think it's like the cinema... Not when it came out. In 1940. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um cool. I actually did uh, watch been watching a bit a bit of stuff. I saw um been watching a series called Succession. Have you heard of that? I think you it's It's on it last over time. here it's on Sky Atlantic, but it's an HBO thing. Mm. Um and it's Brian Cox is basically any real famous face in it. And uh he's like a kind of Rupert Murdoch style, like, you know, media mogul who is like and it's all sort of like this kind of almost Shakespearean kind of like family drama about how they're all trying to fuck each other over. They're despicable like it's just a whole group of really nasty rich people. Um but it's by Jesse Armstrong who did uh who used to work on Peep Show. Yeah. Um and yeah, he's like I want to say he's the show runner, he's definitely the writer, um uh one of the writers, but it's uh really good it's It's probably one of the best things I've seen on t v in a while I would say um so yeah, highly recommended Is I it haven't a comedy? it yet no it's a drama, but there are comedy moments in it <clears throat> hmm, Sounds cool. yeah, it's definitely worth watching um one thing you might be interested in that I saw was the Bill and Ted face the music, new Bill and Ted movie
3: yeah, so what, has that been released? like dumped onto the internet then or something
2: yeah it's on um pod and i think it's coming out on cinemas in uh well next week or ever or a week or so from when this was released i think um and yeah it wasn't very good <laughs> it was actually awful um which is a bit of a shame. it's one of those things where like i'm watching it going what is going on like as well it's like about their um and there's no I won't spoil it but their their daughters are in it which is like okay. saying at the beginning and their whole like daughter's plot there's just all these kind of stories going on they're all terrible um and yeah the the daughter's plot is just like dire that the actresses are terrible and I'm just watching it going like I get what they're doing and it would be cool if they were like set up more as like better characters rather than oh. just trying to be a bit of a carbon copy of, you know, Teenage Bill and Ted. But, um, yeah, it was just, it looked cheap as fuck as well. Wow. Um, but, uh, funny enough, like watching it, Alex Winter, he plays, uh, um, Bill. Yeah. Um, it was really good in it. And I was thinking, man, he should have done more. Like he basically quit acting. Um, yeah. and it's a shame because I was watching it going like, man, he's, like really good it's funny it's kind of showing up Kelly Reeves which is saying a lot these days seeing as Kelly Reeves is still Mr. Popular did you ever see moment. his
3: film called uh, was it called Freaked I think
2: yeah so I think that's the last thing he did um, I have only seen clips of it I've never actually watched the film uh, me neither might be yeah. worth a watch sometime
0: yeah
3: I think so I, I remember watching it after that I think there's um, a bit of rose tinted glasses of Bill and Ted like I liked them when I was ten Mm. I remember seeing the second film at the cinema mm. but I don't think they're that good I mean it's not like something like you know Ghostbusters or something where there's a generation yeah. that you know people our age I can go back and watch Ghostbusters and, and still
2: appreciate it Bill and be yeah. very you know, younger and small yeah we won't go too much in, into it but yeah I always thought the first film was like okay does its job second film um, was more stylized, and I quite liked that. I quite and I quite liked it. it just be, it just went off on one. Yeah. On, it's wacky, like transdimensional, like um, comedy, and yeah, uh, I enjoyed that aspect of it. Wow, oh, um, good times. Yeah, and but this one, it was like just stupid. It's ridiculous, and also just bad ending. Like I liked how the second one ended as well, um, but the whole thing of it, I was like, I can really do this. Like it's a feel good. You know their whole like thing is just like they're two idiots that are just so ridiculously like likable and positive about everything. Yeah, um, for the most part, that um, you kind of just go with it because they're just quite endearing. I'm like, yeah, could do with a bit of that in, the, in this day and age. You know, just two happy idiots just kind of going about the lug, uh, happy go lucky. Sorry, that's why um, like people listen to the show. Yeah, two idiots, happy go lucky, um, miserable go lucky more. Yeah. like <laughs> Um, the I other got- thing I, did I tell you, I watched the grudge TV series no. on Netflix. No. I'm not going to spend too long on it. Based on awful. the film. Yeah. Well, everything's based on that. It's based on that like, one. It's the same house. They've done a grudge. They did a released a new grudge film last year. Right. It's the same fucking house each time. But this one was a TV series where it kind of, um, time jumps a little bit. And, uh, it's about, I, mean, I can't remember, I've seen the whole thing. I don't even know what it's about. it's, like different stories basically that are based around the house. Now they're kind of intertwined, um, but he got a really good write up on some of the views of it. I was just so bored, fucking dreadful. Um, so I wouldn't recommend doing that. Uh, the only other thing I did was I watched, um, idols did a virtual gig at the weekend. I oh, yeah. did three it? of them. Um, and I've watched one and a half of them. And I think I'm, uh, if I, if I'm quick with this, I might be able to catch the, um, the rest of it tonight, uh, before they expire from, um, on demand. Um, and it was pretty good. It was all right. But um, it's a bit weird watching them just in, they're in Abbey Road, just kind of in a studio and doing their thing. And it's like just silence after they obviously finish the song.
3: Yeah. Um, I'm not into, I don't know, I think I'm, I'm really into it. I mean, that existed before lockdown, obviously bands doing in studio yeah. sessions. Yeah. And that's quite good fun. I like watching those, but don't want to pay for them.
2: Well, this is it. So it's kind of like I see it as like kind of just showing a bit of support. And I was also hoping to hear some stuff off the new album, um, which I haven't yet. I need just what they've already released, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, okay, well, that's it. Kind of going through um little update on what we're doing this week. I've got another band for you. A- oh, go on. Yeah. Porridge Radio. No, done Um,
3: Been listening to their album called Every Bad. I think mm-hmm. it's just been nominated for a Mercury Prize, maybe. Right. A little Brighton indie pop weirdo band. Indie landfill. It is a little bit landfill. It's quite, it's quite good. I enjoyed it, but I did get a kind of like a bit of um, deja vu and also kind of a little bit of jadedness thinking, oh, look at them doing their indie pop. They don't, they don't know any better. Um, <laughs> it was pretty good and quite nice to, if they have got a Mercury Prize nomination. Which I might have just made up, but if they have, then um, that's pretty pretty good for them because they are just like a little Brighton band, I think.
2: Porridge Radio. Yeah. Crap name. <laughs> I thought um, you hate it. So it's just, it's the classic like just go to a dictionary and just put two words together. It's fucking stupid. <laughs> Call yourself Porridge and then base it on the TV series of the same name. That'd be great. Um, yeah, maybe it is maybe that's the there's a radio station that I'm unaware of that is popular. Um, so this week we are going to be talking about the game The Last of Us Two. I wish things were different,
0: Ellie,
1: but they ain't. Please stop.
2: Tomorrow. To do this smart, we'd be leaving Jackson vulnerable.
1: So they just get to get away with this?
0: How'd you find us?
2: Just um, so people don't get too worried, uh, we'll spend the first half or whatever of this podcast just going through the general stuff of the game. Um, we won't talk about any of the uh, story stuff from Last of Us 1 or 2 um, until we tell you, and there'll be a break so that you can switch off or come back to later, whatever you want to do so you don't ruin the story for yourselves. But, um, yeah, so uh, why is this odd? Um seeing as it's one of the (laughs) best-selling games um, of all time, maybe. Um, Well, it's odd in a sense of the subject matter is odd um, in that it's a post-apocalyptic world where um, there's zombies made of fungus, basically, that (laughs) will come and attack you, um, which is quite cool in itself. And I guess that's odd enough. But the real oddity is that um, it's actually um, really good, (laughs) in my opinion. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, but in terms of, um, it's not that anti mainstream, let's say, but it, I basically completed it uh, recently. I wanted to talk about it. So I'm kind of cheating a little bit by doing ah. that. Um, so, yeah, Dan, uh, what, what do you know about Last of Us 2, if anything? Not all that much.
3: Um, people should be aware I've not played the game, I've not played mm. the first game. I don't mm. play many games, mm. <laughs> but I've had a look at the Maelstrom of uh, controversy surrounding this game online. So I'm aware that it's been quite divisive. Um, I've got a broad idea of what the plot's about, Uh, Mm -hmm. some of this character arc stuff that people are complaining about. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, my my first look at a bit of gameplay, I I thought it does look a bit derivative to me. Mm -hmm. It's like kind of like, here we go, post-apocalyptic kind of world. People running around, kill some monsters, which are increasingly looking the same. I swear the monsters here look the same as in that game that we spoke about a few weeks ago. It's kind of like Lovecraftian look. Yeah, Where, Bloodborne. where like their head will split into like a seed pod with no yeah. eyes, which we're seeing in games, seeing it in Stranger Things. It's, like, it's character designs everywhere. Um, yeah. But that was my sort of initial... Just, you know... Um, Aesthetically, I just there we go.
2: Um, but yeah, I haven't mm. played it, so you
3: no, tell me. Enough. You tell
2: me I'm wrong. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Oh, I'll tell you something then. <laughs> so, um, for those that don't know, uh, Last of Us um, uh, Two is obviously a sequel. For Last of Us One. <laughs> this this is the kind of like you know real juicy stuff that you get here <laughs> on this podcast. Um, <laughs> but it was released this year. It's a PlayStation exclusive released on the PS4. Um, It's by Naughty Dog, who did the, probably more famous for the Uncharted series. Um, And this was directed by Neil Druckmann from Naughty Dog, who also did Uncharted 4. And he did uh, the first Last of Us as well. And um, it's basically a third-person action game, I guess you could call it, It's heavily reliant. Well, you can play it how you want, but it's heavily reliant, really, on stealth to kind of get through. Um, And basically, uh, in a nutshell, um, it's a world where there has been a virus, much like what's kind of going on now. Um, And uh, people are basically turning into these like zombie monsters. And the idea um, is that you have to like survive this world. I might go into what the actual proper story is but there are characters involved and there's a reason why you're kind of out in the wild trying to get generally from a to b um and that's basically it so the like with things like the walking dead the monsters generally or the zombies whatever are generally not your problem the humans are um Bastards. You know, other yeah, other factions and all this stuff that's where it gets difficult um uh, but that's part of that part of the beauty beauty of it. So, I mean, Dan, what's, what's actually quite interesting is the, um, in terms of just talking about the, uh, I'm going to call them zombies, they, but they have like different names. There's, um, depending on how infected you are. So like the first stage is um, uh, you're, you're a runner, I think they're called. Mm-hmm. And that's basically where you become like your classic kind of running zombie, right? But um, so you've just got infected. You can still see. So if they see you, they'll scream and run for you. Um, they're not as, uh, powerful because they're just people, they're just flailing hands at you or whatever. They're not using anything. They're just hitting you and trying to bite you. Um, and then you've got clickers who are a bit more, um, advanced. And, uh, this is kind of the same with the, both games But the clickers will basically, they're the ones, those heads are just completely fucked. So, um, and they'll, basically kill you if they get close to you in one shot, but they can't see you. So they go by sound and they go by like sonar basically. So if they kind of like let out this scream and you're standing in front of them, they will essentially see you. Um, There are other enemy types, um, which I guess I can go through here. It's not really um, giving anything away. Um, There's like bloaters from the first game, which I don't think were in the second game, but they're basically big fat zombies who will throw... Um, pustules at you trying to infect you um, you've got uh, some of the new stuff, um, you've got like a what's called a shambler um, which is kind of the same as the um, big fat ones but they're quite hard to take down and they kind of give off this like gas and they move a bit quicker um, and then you've got this uh, these new enemies which maybe I will I'll keep these other new enemies in the story section because they're pretty cool Um, but yeah, so you've got these different types of enemy depending on how infected you've got or whatever. And, um, yeah. And then you've got the human side and you're in different, um, they're in different groups and some are working together and some not so much. Um, and that's kind of the basis for it. Um, I won't go into the story a bit too much, but the idea is that you're trying to go through this world and you're picking things up along the way. So, There's a lot of, like, reading notes. Um, There's things like, there's, like, safes that you need to, like, decode um, by using, by looking around for, like, notes or whatever, and you can get, like, items through that. But what will happen is that you're kind of going around finding everyday items, and then you choose how you use them. So, for instance, um, you can, uh, I think it's used, like, alcohol, I suppose, or, and, and like, a um, tape, I think it is, and you can use it for a health kick. A health kit or you can use the alcohol and use it with a bottle and you've got a molotov cocktail Can you drink Things it? Like that. um which you well, no one drinks a molotov cocktail <laughs> no <either. laughs> alcohol yeah uh you can't drink it no um sorry there's no you don't really see them drink anything actually when i think about it they eat like snack bars maybe they do drink stuff i can't remember but um yeah, so you go, you, you kind of choose how you want to use it. Um, I guess the main problem I had with it was that I was always f- pretty much full of these, of this equipment throughout <laughs> the entire thing. It was, it was only, I'd say, probably 10 times, maybe less, where I was like finding myself like out of items. Um, but yeah, as you go along, you kind of unlock. Um, more uses, you find these uh, survival manuals, which means that you can, you have like an upgrade tree and you have pills, which you find along the way, which allow you to spend them in order to upgrade your upgrade tree. So you can do more, um, you can craft faster, you can do X, Y, Z. Um, And all that's fine. There's a lot of like, um, you can upgrade your weapon with like parts that you find along the way um, and like make it reload faster or put a scope on it or um, you know, fire, fire ray up, make it more powerful, whatever. Do things like this, which is pretty cool. You find ammunition along the way. Um, you also get like a bow and arrow, you could craft arrows and all this. So there's all these kind of different options that you have, which is fine, which is good. Um, you can also find like bottles and bricks, which are quite, um, very abundant in the world. And you can use them to stun people or to like create a noise diversion and things like that which is quite interesting. So you've got all these different ways to kind of tackle the world that is presented to you. But the idea is that um, you're kind of low on stuff, so you need to use things quite wisely. And I guess that was kind of my problem, is I found it quite, I found it with both games, really, but with this one in particular, I was never at a loss. I always kind of had ammo, I always had stuff to craft. Um, and there's like an element where like in the first game, you would um, craft these shivs, basically, knives. And there was always a thing of, like, you could use them to kill a clicker if it, like, grabbed you and you had a shiv, you could just kill it and then you'd have to worry about it. Or you can stealth kill them and use it that way. Or you can save it. And if you go past a door that's locked, sometimes you're able to shiv it. And that, and then if you open it, then there's loads of, like, stuff inside. And they took away that mechanic, which is a bit annoying because I was like, it's quite good to like weigh up whether it's worth killing mm. a um, clicker or whatever, or save it in the hope that you come across somewhere where you get to use it. Does that make sense?
3: Yeah. Well, I've read that a lot of people felt that there was far too much gratuitous violence in this one, mm. which maybe then makes makes sense. Or They were forced into uh, some of this like more extreme revenge killing yeah so you are saying suggests that you want to you sneak around and use your stealth but
2: actually yeah, in a it, position
3: where you've got so much ammo mm. you just feel the blind
2: just to wail away yeah well there was like um, it is very there is a lot of violence um, that happens I mean there's kind of part of the story which we'll get on to as well but when it got to like the last level let's say um, I didn't use stealth at all I just wanted to get it done and um, I kind of blitzed my way through it just using all the ammo I had And I was like, this is so much more satisfying than how I've been playing it for the entire, like, fucking 30-odd hours of being, like, really trying to be as stealth as possible. Um, But that's part of it. It's like the idea is that you don't want to... You should be using stealth because it's like, you know, whatever, 20 guys or whatever just kind of looking for you. You're not going to... It's not supposed to be like a power fantasy too much, even though you're quite powerful. Um, But the main problem from the first game and for this one is that the real gamey part of it is, um, something called listen, listen mode, basically where you hold down R1 and on your screen in yellow, you'll see like the people moving, which means it's basically like a, um, a radar thing. So if you're like in a room, you press R1 and you can see where they are positioned in like the next room, Uh which obviously in real life, let's say, I know it's a game. You're, you, you can't just do that. So it's, um, that's the real kind of gamey thing about it. Um, but I know there's an element where you don't have to use it. For instance, you don't have to use it at all if you don't want to, but obviously I'm going to use whatever (laughs) options I'm given to kind of get through. Why do they give you that? Does it make Mm -hmm. it too easy? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, um, I don't know. It's just a weird thing to kind of put in, but at the same time I, I needed it. (laughs) Was it in the first game? It was in the first game as well. Um, and I guess like gameplay wise, that was my, that's kind of one critique I had about this game is that it followed way too closely to the first game. When, well, So when it actually got into the gameplay bits and you're sneaking around you're crafting stuff, it's exactly like the first game. There's no improvement on the gameplay side of it whatsoever, um, which was fine. But at the same time, I was like, uh, yeah, I mean, I, can't, I mean, you can do things like you can go prone, uh, which is like laying down. So you can kind of Go through glass, uh, glass, grass, like laying down. Um, that's new, I think. Um, there's a bit of like jumping and platforming a little bit, which is kind of new, I guess. Um, there's a lot more, it's a lot more open world than the first game. It's, it's not open world really at all. There's one level in particular when you're in Seattle and you can kind of go and do different places. And I thought, okay, it's interesting. That is the only time that you do it really throughout the entire game, but it's a lot more of an open area. So you might come in from one bit and then make your own way to the other side of the map. You don't, you know, it's large enough that you don't have to necessarily, um, you're not being driven down a corridor um, or anything like that. You can kind of decide how you want to approach it, um, which is a bit different uh, that you weren't able to do before. But um, yeah, it's very much the same as the first game. There's not really been that much of an improvement. There's different weapons and all that. Sure. Um, but yeah, apart from that, it's, it's pretty much the same, same game. So why That's would you game. shell out and, and get it if
3: you were a fan well, of the first game? Presumably, <laughs> it's the same mechanic, and they've hung all of their uh, hopes on creating better characters and a new, fresh, engaging story. Well, that's just it,
2: yeah. Which I've done, and also like it's not bad mechanic. So like just doing more of that, it's not necessarily like a bad thing. Um, But that's kind of that's basically the the kind of gameplay side of it, Um, and a little bit more about the the background um, to the game itself. I guess there was a lot of, um, regardless of the story, there was a lot of controversy about. how Naughty Dog put a lot of um, strain you know, during the crunch, which is like when a game is about to be released and if it's all hands on deck, um, and that like 12-hour work days were basically the norm. Um, and the truth be told, like, you can see it. So like the graphics are great, they're amazing, but every little detail of this entire world, and it is a big game, has been thought about and um, to a painstaking detail um and there's a part of me which is like maybe you know they could have uh like not done it in so much detail and probably saved someone having a heart attack or something like that or you know had people have a better um quality of life uh in
3: <laughs> I, I i want people to have suffered for me to enjoy well,
0: a good bit think,
3: of entertainment yeah if someone hasn't definitely would have done it spent a week shitting in a bucket Living off of takeaway pizza, then I'm not going to play that game. No, fair enough. Um,
2: well, it's here; like it is <laughs> ridiculously detailed. But that's but it's great. It's it's what, super impressive just for that alone. What kind of detail? Got, um, you, uh, give us an example of uh, some of that some of that hard. Well, content. it's like for instance, you go through like various like hotels or rooms and all this, um, and there's like computer games we use, usually use like the same assets. Yeah. Um, so like they've got a bed asset and they'll just use the same bed asset, but all these are completely different and they're all like lived in. They've all been thought about. Um, and you can walk around some of these places, hotel rooms. And I know there's like notes, which will tell you a bit of story, but you can just literally look around and see things on like whiteboards and see like photos and like how they've set up whatever and it's just, it feels like lived in. It feels like it's not, um, like here's a table. There'll be like a table with like a few cups, not stock. Yeah. And it's like just that amount of detail. You can just stare at it for ages. Um, and it's, yeah, it's just super, but like they've got, um, tons of different shops. They've got like arcades and all this stuff. Everything's been meticulously thought about. Um, like, you know, they've got like, it's, you go to like a music shop, a guitar shop and all this stuff. Um, and it's not another one in the whole game, but it's a whole room. It's just been, it's like, it's literally a guitar shop and it's like, you know, something like that. Um, it's just a detail of just like, you don't even, you might not even go into it. (laughs) It's there. You might, it's not necessary for you to go into it, to do what you need to do. Um, but they've, you know, they've thought about it. Um, I did see and, almost unanimous
3: praise. Even people that hate the game did say it looks brilliant and that visual yeah. aspect of it is uh, amazing and
2: so much yeah. to explore in that regard. It is, yeah. And it like it just looks incredible. Like so I've got a PS4 Pro and my fan on it was going fucking mental just because of having to like process this entire game, <laughs> sort of playing it. Um but everything about it, the acting is really good. We'll kind of get into that a bit more on the um, story side of things. Um, and, yeah, so it's one of the best-selling PS4 games, and it's the fastest-selling PS4, well, Sony, maybe, um, exclusive, that they've done, um, which is interesting, which just shows, like, how how popular it actually was. Um, and yet there's so many bad reviews from
3: gamers and, and a lot of vitriol. So what's mm. what's gone wrong?
2: Because well, everything I, sounds good so far. Yeah, so um, basically what happened was before the game came out, there was a big leak and the leak included the story, the entire story. Um, I think some gameplay was leaked as well. But the thing is, I kept away from it because I didn't want anything ruined for me. Yeah. Um, but the general vibe i was getting um was that uh the fact that it was dealing with like lgbtq issues and people thought it was too heavy-handed with that um and that they were that it was too let's say too liberal too lefty um for a lot of people um the, the whole like white fragility or whatever um yeah, you know, I don't know, whatever comes to mind. I mean, I'm I'm not gonna play the the politics game with stuff like this, but um I thought it was interesting. <laughs> it was like people got so worked up about it and like um what is it, review bombed it on Metacritic, having not actually played the game but just telling the story and this one incident in particular, which people just had a massive problem with. But we'll kind of get onto that on the on the story side of things. Um and we'll seems talk to have- a little
3: bit. So go. On. People seem to have an issue as well, specifically around uh, one uh, one character. Mm. Um, okay. uh, no, so a character that was in the previous game
2: mm.
3: and how they're used in this game.
2: Yeah, About- yeah. which we'll we'll get into because that's a okay. big spoiler. Um, uh, but yeah, let's let's come on to that. But um, I think that's all we can kind of talk about without kind of going into the story too much. Now, um, talked about the graphics, music's great. Audio's great. Acting's great. Um, I guess if I had a criticism, which isn't going to spoil it, it's too long, I think. How long does it take to complete this game? Yeah. So it took me over 30 hours. I'd Mm -hmm. say probably took me about 32 hours, but it was one of those things where I was like, I thought it ended, I would say probably about four to six hours before it actually did. Um, and I was like, oh, I thought this was the end. It's totally not. I've got like loads to do. Um, there's a few instances like that. Um, and I think it could be cut down a little bit because it it was still good, but um, it, f- it felt exhausting. That's the thing, playing it. Um, is it's an exhausting game to play. There's just so much... Like you walk out and you're into a new level, and there are humans or there are clickers or whatever, and all this stuff. And you're just like, Okay, here we go. Like, gonna try and get my way through, or kill them all, or do whatever I'm doing. But sometimes, it, yeah, yeah well, it's not back, but you have to be very, very careful about mm-hmm. the whole thing. You have to take people down um silently quickly, they can see you, they'll alert other people. Um, and you know there are certain one cool thing is that there's a certain faction called the the seraphites, I think they're called, mm. um, and they're a bit different from people you account, uh, encounter before this. But they communicate with each other through like whistling, mm-hmm. which is weird because it means one, you don't know what they're telling each other, yeah, um, and t- which makes it unsettling in the first place, um, and. Yeah, too. It means that if you uh kill one of them or whatever, then they'll um you know whistle for the whistle for the others and all this, and then you know, it's it's just that um I can't remember the point I was making with this, but um uh yeah, what was the original thing we were talking about? <laughs> I forgot. I've just um, one. The,
3: um, I've forgotten one. <laughs> <laughs> they go... Um,
2: Okay. <laughs> yeah, your will are you past. I can understand can that I think you were saying about like uh, yeah, just taking them taking them out, guns blazing or whatever. But no, you can't oh, yeah, yeah, you yeah. can't do that. You have to be you have to be super careful about it. Cause yeah, as soon as you kind of get seen, as soon as you get seen by the, the zombies, they run for you. They run at you and you get overwhelmed super quick. As soon as the humans see you, they'll be shooting at you. Then all of a sudden you're in like a cover shooter situation and they will flank you. And the AI is pretty good as well. So they will, um, like intelligently try and come for you or like, um, try and sneak up on you, uh, which is good, which really, you know, works quite nicely. So yeah, so it kind of forces you to think about more, um, stealth over action because also you don't have many bullets, you not, you know, it's very difficult to to do that. But yeah, you get like a sign that so that you can make out of like a bottle, basically. <laughs> um, which is pretty cool, which I found quite useful. Um, you kind of have stealthy weapons. Um, and I guess the only other thing is that uh, there's a story moment where you have to, like, you, there's a dog that you have to kill, but um, there are dogs in the actual game as well that it's, yeah, it was only until afterwards to um, someone points out, it's like, I hate that you have to kill the dogs. Like, that's horrible. I was like, oh, yeah, didn't even think about that. <laughs> it just meant nothing to me, just shooting a dog in the head.
3: One of the major, well, that is one of the major, seems to be, uh, sticking points for a lot of the um, criticism, actually.
2: What, killing dogs?
3: No, and again, maybe we'll come to this when we talk about the story and the character oh, right. arc. People saying that you're forced to um, start to disassociate with the, what people perceived or wanted to be the main lead and yeah. sort of uh, character yeah um and the, it forces you you don't have an option and it makes you go through an experience of like um sort of playing with the dog yeah before you have to right, yeah. you're forced to kill it and then you're
2: continuously sort of like made to feel guilty about it yeah
3: as the game Jeez. goes on yeah um
2: yeah without giving too much away yeah that's completely right i mean that's the problem is that with games people these days are used to having, like, a lot of agency. Um, and with mm. a game like this, it's not about that. It's about telling a story. and it's about yeah, killing. It's, yeah. that's about killing. Yeah. But that is kind of the problem with um, a game like this. It's a good thing and a bad thing, So obviously they're telling the story they want to tell, but they do, let's just say, they kind of force... Um, you to do a lot if that they force you to make you feel uncomfortable, which is fine, and maybe that's part of it. But um, I can see why some people would have a problem with it, put it that way. And I think that's kind of um, enough on the generalities of the game. I think maybe let's kind of get into a bit of the spoiler territory, let free reign all out. So if you haven't um, played the first or the second game, um, go play it. Come back, and you can listen to the rest of this. Otherwise, Oddcast story time. Yes, and we'll tell you about the lovely story of The Last of Us 2.
0: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites.
1: To say I'll say anyway
0: today.
3: It is. It's time for story time. Story time, so and we go st- into
2: some of the details of the story. And we're going to spoil everything. Yeah, <laughs> going to spoil your mind and your dinner and your mum. Um. <laughs> so yeah, we're going to go into the actual uh, games themselves. So, um, I guess what it's important to do is we just kind of go over the the basis what happened in the first game uh, in terms of story. So. The idea is that you play uh, Joel, whose daughter got killed during the initial wave of panic when this virus was kind of taking over everyone. They were trying to get to safety. His daughter died, and um, yeah, so we kind of meet him a few years into this pandemic after you know most people are dead, and he basically plays this um, uh, smuggler um he's just trying to survive with his uh, girlfriend Tess um and yeah they basically they're doing whatever but there's this group called like the Fireflies who are kind of seen as like a terrorist organization but they're all about freedom from the oppressing um army I guess or whatever like uh, uh, running these quarantine zones and um Yeah, so Joel is given this girl called Ellie and she's immune to the virus. She got bit and she survived and it looks like that she's immune to the virus and she's the only one. So the idea is that um, the leader of the Fireflies or whatever one of them, um, it's like, oh, can you take her to this hospital? I can't, I'm wounded, I need to stay here. You need to take her, it's really important, like humanity rests on your shoulders kind of thing. And so he's like, yeah, fine. So him and Ellie travel across the entire country basically to get to um Boston. So they go from I believe it's they're going from Seattle to Boston. Um where they go through and on the way they get into all these, like it's basically like a road movie thing. They like meet like cannibals and you know, and they they learn more about each other. And like Ellie's like this um kid she's only a kid or whatever so she's all like positive and like a bit like chipper and all that where joel's this like you know um it's like true grit style like he's grizzled like, old yeah exactly he's all like fucked up just with life and he's sick of it all and ellie's a little bit of like one like kind of daughter figure and also mm-hmm. she's this little ray of sunshine in his like otherwise bleak existence that he's been currently like eking out and um Anyway, so what happens is they go to um, – you finally get there with her. And he's all like, oh, thank God we made it. And they're like, yeah, um, the problem is is that we need to get this thing in Eddie's brain. and In order to do that, we have to kill her um, during the operation. And Joel's like, fuck that. <laughs> so anyway, it's like, have you told her? And they're like, no, she's under now. She's in the surgery now. So basically you as Joel go into like fucking – you go like Stallone style or something, you kill everyone at this hospital, including the doctors and everyone. You pick Eddie up, you put her in a car, you drive her out of there and you get fucking hell out of Dodge. So you go back and then there's this nice, the game ends with this nice little moment where you're kind of just walking around in the woods and she's like, "She, I can't remember the exact thing, I'm going to mess this up, but she says something like, oh, you know, um, what happened back there really with the fireflies? Like you would like you tell me there are other people, but I haven't seen anyone like that. We haven't heard of this cure. Um, you know, you you wouldn't lie to me, would you? Kind of thing. He's like, no. <laughs> He's like, is that the truth? So, you know, yeah. It's so the end of that. And that's the end of the game. So like, you think that he might actually tell her the truth, but he is like steadfast, like lying to her, like saying that, oh, um, the cure didn't work or whatever. Mm. So we've got you out of there. When really, He, he likes he, to protect her. Yeah, he does it to protect her, but also he can't go through. It's quite a selfish act in the sense of he can't um, lose another daughter. And like a lot of people say how um, it's about consent as well. The fact that the choice was taken away from her and it was decided by like her dad, essentially, or father figure. Choice to die. uh, Yeah, she didn't even get the choice to like give herself up for the good of humanity or not. He just made that decision for her. um and all that's quite interesting um through violence as well because he killed everyone there um but yeah it's really so that for me was like that whole final bit was like really knocked me for six because it was like you spent all this time with this girl and you are you are going it thinking and and that's the thing right like on paper you'd be like yeah sacrifice one person to save the many right obviously Mm. when it comes down to it you're you as Joel, you're going around killing everyone and you're like, yeah, fuck them. Like, <laughs> you know, you do actually care about the fact that they've had to kill this little girl for something that you don't even know might work or not. Yeah. Um, and it's like, yeah, so you're with him like thinking, fuck these guys I'm getting out of here. Um, and there is one bit where you walk into the doctor's surgery with your gun and he's like just standing there going, oh no, you know, you don't understand. This is really important and you just, you can't do anything until you shoot him. So then you shoot him dead, pick her up, when you take it you take her and you get out of there um now, the thing is is that the consequences of that now play into the second game. so where the second game opens up, um a few years have moved on. Eddie's a bit older, and you can you know you're kind of seeing how she's trying to um, like she's having problems with Joel, which you find out later down the line um it's basically because uh, she found out what happened. Um, and he tells her the truth. Cause she's like, if you tell me the truth, I'll stay. But if I find out you're lying, I'm going to leave and I'll never see you again. So he tells her the truth and this happens halfway through the game. You see his flashback, Um, mm-hmm. and so this has happened after that, where she's basically fucked off with him. The fact that he killed everyone and let her live when she felt like her, she should have had the choice, basically that she was meant to like save the world or whatever. And now yeah. she, um, She can't do that because the problem is, is that there's no one that can, (laughs) there's no doctors left um, that can do that kind of thing. Um, So it's like, oh, she still can. It's like, well, no, not unless, (laughs) you know, you're training someone up to be, it's a way of training up these guys to be doctors, to be brain surgeons. Shit, I don't think it's happening in a post-apocalypse. Anyway, so um, that's kind of, so it's a little bit after that. And so the relationship is strained. He's like giving her, there's a bit where he gives her a guitar and he's like, I'll teach her how to play. And the guitar becomes the motif throughout so like the whole thing um, that uh, like defines their relationship a little bit. Um, so yeah, you're kind of playing that. And she's she's having some like, you know, young adult problems in the fact that she's gay um, and she kisses this girl and she's not sure if this girl even likes her. And then they kind of go off and they talk about it. Um, And then suddenly it cuts and you're playing as this other girl called Abby, who's just, um, who's with some other people and you try and escape from the clickers. You bump into Joel and his brother, Tommy, who was in the first game as well. And they save you. And then basically um, once they save you, you turn on Joel and you find out that Joel is the one that you've been after. And you, and you beat him to death with a golf club quite brutally. It's very graphic And Ellie tries to come in and save she when she's looking for Joel. And she's forced to just watch as Joel gets literally smacked in the eye and the head of the golf club until he dies. So at that point, you're, like, made to fucking hate this girl, Abby. And you're like, whatever the fuck is happening, I'm going to find her and I'm going to kill her. So the game continues with you as Ellie. You're like, I'm going to find this girl, Abby, I'm going to kill her. And that's basically that is the first half of the game is essentially you trying to find Abby over a course of whatever it is, three or four days. Um, you go with Dina, who's the girl that you kissed. You find out that she's pregnant um, with this other guy's um, kid. And uh, yeah, and Tommy, the brother, has gone off. And it becomes a kind of toss up between like, do you want to keep going around killing everyone? Like if we find Tommy, let's go home. Um, f- you know, Forget about Abby. And she's like, yeah, 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 fine. And then it gets to a point, literally kind of crossroads where they're like, oh, we think Tommy's over here. And she's like, yeah, but Abby's probably over here. And this guy's like, yeah, but we're here for Tommy. Remember, we're going home, We're going to get Tommy and go home. And she's like, yeah, but Tommy's after Abby. So I'm going to go where I think Abby is. And you're just like, oh, here we go. Like, she's totally not fucking over it. She's totally wants to kill Abby. And then basically you go over there to this aquarium and um, there's these two people arguing and you shoot them, you have an argument with them, you shoot them and you shoot a dog on the way there as well, which is what we're talking about. Um, and then you find out the woman was pregnant and you're like, Oh fuck. So you're like, Oh fuck it. I've just killed a pregnant woman. Um, and then Tommy turns up and they take you away. Um, and then, yeah. And then basically after that bit, you are in a theater, which you've kind of used as your base for the moment. Um, and there's lots of stuff in between this, by the way, you're kind of finding people to get to Abbey and all this, and there's all these different levels, and you're skulking around and you're finding out about these Seraphites who are these weird religious nuts. And uh, Abby's part of the, they're called the Wolves, which the, they're the um, Washington Liberation Front, WLF. And you're trying to kill all these people as you're trying to get to her. Um, then anyway, at this at that halfway point, um, your mate is shot. Then you see Abby appear with a gun against Tommy's head going, you killed all my friends, you fucking bitch or whatever. And she's like, uh, fuck. Okay. And then it cuts. Then all of a sudden you're playing as Abby. Um, and that is where people had a problem with it because it's like, you spent this whole time on a revenge mission to try and get her for killing Joel. And then you're being forced to play with her. And they've done it cleverly in that you start off by playing Abby as like a kid, um, not kid kid but like uh, much younger um and she's trying to look for her dad and basically you find out that this is um on the day of when Joel brought Ellie in to the hospital so the doctor that you killed who was operating on Ellie when mm-hmm. you walk in as Joel and kill him in the first game is Abby's dad right. so she's if, and because you've killed like all the fucking fireflies as well like on your On your way in the first game, um, she's like on a revenge mission to kill Joel for killing her dad. And not only that, but obviously like killing any hope that humanity had of finding a cure for this disease. Um, So then this kind of cycle of violence begins to appear. So he plays Abby for a while, and basically, Abby um, uh, finds out that her ex boyfriend, this guy called Owen, um is being chased down by um her group um because he shot and killed one of their own so you're like okay this doesn't sound right so i'm going to go and search for him so you kind of go against your leader's wishes to go and search for your ex-boyfriend and as you do so there's this cool bit in like a forest where like it's nighttime and you're strung up by these like religious nuts and they're like hanging you and then these two um seraphites who are like rebels basically um are about to get killed and you you manage to um with the help of them kill the your captors and you run through the forest and that's a really cool bit you're getting chased by all these um zombie things and there's like a bit where you're just stuck in a house and they're trying to open it for you and you're just getting like all these fucking zombie things are coming at you and you just it's just it's one of those moments which just sucks up all your ammo and you're like stressing out because it's like so fucking intense it's really good it's all at nighttime. it feels really claustrophobic and anyway you kind of um you basically find owen and you go back to help out these rebel seraphites um and that yeah um and you basically try and help them um get back to this aquarium because owen's new girlfriend is a doctor and she's there um and she's the pregnant one that uh you know you shoot when you're ellie so you bring her back um, and then you have to go with, and then they're like, oh, we need some supplies. So you have to go to the hospital and you walk through this like bridge in the sky, which is quite a weird bit. But when you get to the hospital, you come up against this like blob who's been like, because they're like, oh, the hospital, on, on the ground floor of the hospital is like, like you know, it's like ground zero of when all this shit took place because this is where they took everyone when it first started kicking off this is like massive blob of a zombie with like other zombies, like coming out of it, like at the end of like the thing or like, there's a um, game called, um, uh, not inside. Maybe it was inside. I can't remember which one it was where, um, it's just a blob of like arms and limbs and mouths, whatever. And you're like, and there's this bit where it's just like you're in this dark fucking hospital, like Silent Hill style. Um, and you're trying to kill this thing. And, and that, that was, was one of the, like, that was, that was a really cool bit. And you know, you get all the stuff, you go back, you um, she—you have to cut her arm off, but she's fine. And then you find out that the little kid, Lev, I think his name is, um, is actually a girl that's shaved her head and uh, wants to be a boy. And that's why they're running from this religious sect is because that's unheard of, basically. You can't have trans people. You can't have but girls thinking they're boys, etc. cetera. Um, and anyway, they have like an argument and he runs gets boat and runs off to like the island where the Seraphites are from, you chase him, um, down. And at the same time, your, um, faction, the uh, wolves are attacking the island of the Seraphites. So it's all happening at once. And you're able to find Lev. Um, you get him, the uh, girl whose arm was cut off and unfortunately dies. Um, as you try and get, you know, try and survive. Um, you get out of there, the whole island is burnt and it looks like, you know, it looks like the Seraphites have gone, basically. Um, and when you get back, uh, that's basically when you find um, that Ellie's come, who was you, obviously, in the first half of the game, and shot them both. So then you go and now you're playing as Abby in the theatre bit where she's pointing a gun at Tommy and Ellie. So now you've kind of caught up with yourself, um, if that makes sense. Cause it's kind of like the same three days running parallel. Um, and then you have to try and like kill Ellie and that's weird. And a lot of people had problems with that, which I can kind of get. And then after you kind of beat each other up a bit, you're basically like, um, you beat the shit out of Ellie and you're like, right, that's it done. Fuck you. Don't come near me. I don't want to see you again. And you walk out. So she had the opportunity to kill her. She didn't. And then it kind of cuts back to Ellie, um, Dina's had the kid that she was pregnant with. They're like a um, lesbian couple with this kid. They're having living on a farm. Tommy comes back um, and he's like, "All right, I know where Abby is. She's in California." And they're like, oh, "I don't know if we could do it again." So at this point, I thought this is gonna this is the end of the game. Like they're going right. because it's like there's quite a nice shot where Tommy and Dina are having an argument because Tommy's like, "I thought you said you," I thought it's where really. he's like, she's he's like, "I thought you you know do anything to like." revenge for joe i thought you know you in this and now you're telling me you don't want to do it anymore and all this like fuck you whatever so dina goes out to have a shout him and the map is just kind of lying there on the table like california circled and then it cut to black and i thought great ending i thought that's great because it's kind of like spinning top a little bit like does she doesn't she yeah um you don't know it's tempting because it's right there but no it comes back and then suddenly you're abby again and she's trying to find the fireflies and then she gets captured by this n- new group called the rustlers or something who are just kind of new. And then it goes back to your Ellie and you're in California and you're trying to find Abby and you get caught by these hey rustlers and you're able to make it out and you kind of go through, kill everyone, find Abby. She's basically been crucified on the beach. You have a big fight with her um, and then uh, you're about to kill her. She bites off your fingers. Um, and then basically you decide to just let her go and she goes off with Lev, um, the um, trans kid and they go off into the distance and you go back home and at home um, Dina has packed up her stuff so it's just this big empty house and then you just basically try and play guitar you realise you can't because your fingers have been bitten off and it's quite the sad moment because that was her connection to Joel and you kind of find guitars throughout the game and she realises that because of this, you know, her violence basically, that she has lost that now. So she can't even play guitar anymore. She's even lost that connection. And she walks off into the forest, and that's it. That's the end of the game. So it's long and a lot happens, and there's a lot kind of going on, as you can imagine. I mean, like, that was a really quick summary of it. And I felt like that took ages. <laughs> um, but it's good. But it's uh, it's kind of, I kind of understand the fact that it's like, dealing with, like, consequences and the, yeah, the cycle of violence and how does that end? Like, um, you know, eye for an eye leaves the world blind and all this stuff. Um, but, yeah, just what's your reaction to, to that from what I've just said? It seems it's very difficult to tell that kind of um, story
3: within the context of a computer game. Mm. Um, to me it sounds again thinking about some of the criticism that I've read you know, it sounds quite ambitious in terms of that uh, flitting between the characters um, especially when one's already established um, and your audience already feels a connection to that character mm. um, you know two characters that are opposed obviously the idea there is that by having that experience with both, you you see that uh, overarching moral of the story, and you experience it yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, that's something that might work better in you know traditional uh, you know fiction or, or or a movie where you're not then expected, or and some people have felt you know forced. To play as a character they don't want to play, yeah. um, or, or have a, you know have negative experiences, um, or the experience that they don't expect. Basically, so I can see then why people feel that you know maybe the maker of this game it's a bit self indulgent. That actually, it sounds like he wanted to, rather than just kind of like make a good computer game for the existing fan base of the first game.
2: Sounds like he kind of wanted to make his own movie a little bit. Yeah, well, they're making um, a Last of Us TV series, so I should say that, which, uh, these, um, which I, I don't know what it's actually going to be based on. But it is, there's a lot of, like, a lot of this comes through the cut scenes and all this. But you're right, like, having people, that was the problem, is that having people just play as a character they've become to hate and then just forcing you to sympathise and empathise with her. Um, feels a little strange, but it's also that thing that like um, uh, in terms of movie storytelling um, and a lot of people say like misogynist movies kind of do this a lot, which is where um, a woman, like the wife is killed and it becomes the um, catalyst for setting out like a revenge story. And that the woman's only place in the film was there as a victim in order to instigate the man to do something and, you know, kind of carry the film, and it's kind of a reversal in that. Um, so I think, like, when people, like, basically, so the problems being is that people thought the way Joel died was unfair. Um, I don't actually agree with that because the idea that he pays for his choice of what he did at the hospital, which is essentially doing mankind, mm. was always like that was always going to come back to him. If that makes sense. Um, So I think that kind of makes sense. And just like, yeah. All right. Getting beaten to death, whether the golf club or whatever, it's like, well, the, you know, you wouldn't want to just shoot him in the head or something like that. You'd want to make him like suffer. Right. If that's there, you want to go. And I don't really blame. And then people like hating Abby for that. I get it from a personal vindictive point of view, but also, they kind of hint, like, as you're playing hand leading up to it, it's like, oh, you know, we found him, and, you know, oh, fuck him for what he's done. So it was, it's kind of already planted the seeds before this happened anyway. It's like, okay, they're probably talking about Joel and what happened in the first game. <laughs> um, so it's not like this big shock or surprise that it's, like, that's why it's being done to him. And I think it's important that, I think it's kind of a natural step to have after that, is that that was, like, a major choice, which would have major consequences, Um, and, but I think having the kind of separate storyline where it's like you go through half the game as early and then you're forced to go through the same time period with Abby, um, was, I was just like, I don't know, like if, like if they had it running simultaneously, like you're jumping from one to the other, um, I could maybe, Like understand, like appreciate it more. But I think playing Mm. that, but then I gameplay wise, that probably would be very difficult to do. Um, But I think having it in like this kind of bulk of like here's all Eddie stuff, now here's all Abby stuff, and as well like stupid things in terms of gameplay. But when you're Abby, you find like tons of like upgrade pills because obviously Mm. you've upgraded Eddie like loads, and they don't want you to like feel like you're starting completely fresh with Abby, which you are, which is annoying. So it's like, rather than make me pick up all these like like rare upgrade pills and I'm picking up like 20 or 30 at a time, why not um, just have me start at a higher level or something of stuff that's already unlocked or the equivalent thereof in what I've done with Daddy with her. All right, it's not realistic. It's like, oh, okay. You know, but it's still, it's a computer game. But um, yeah, yeah, and like, but people got really funny about it because it was like, Abby's got like, massive muscular arms and then people are thinking, oh, she's gay or something. So like, oh, why is everyone gay? It's like, well, she's actually not gay. <laughs> <laughs> Ellie's gay. Like, just because um, Abby has, like, these big muscular arms it doesn't actually mean that she's gay. She could be a bloke, though. Um, I mean, it's like, she she is, like, a lot more stacked than a lot of the blokes in the game. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, that doesn't, like, why do people get hung up on that? It's a bit, like, you know, whatever. Like, it's not that's the thing as well. If you're living in a world where only the tough survive, then surely it makes sense to get tougher. Um, Yeah. And if she's been training, right. To track down this Joel and take him out. Yeah, exactly. Dedicating her time to mm, getting hench. Exactly. Like it kind of makes sense. Right. Um, But yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't mind playing as Abby and I did kind of enjoy um, how it kind of set things up for you to feel guilty about what you've already done as Ellie. But I did think it kind of hit a bit too hard. So like playing with the dog, for instance, that you know you've already killed basically down the line. Mm. Um, the fact that it's like the woman's pregnant and they're like, oh, should you be going on these missions when you're pregnant? Oh, what about the baby and stuff like that? It's like, okay, I get it. I killed her. I get it. <laughs> That's fine. Um, but then like there were, I think for me, the um, the moment where I'm kind of chasing Ellie around in the theatre I kept dying and that was really frustrating. Um, and I was like, I don't like this bit where I'm actively acting against Eddie because I just I resonate yeah. more with Eddie than I do with Abby. And I'm like, am I supposed to be feeling like I'm on Abby's side here because I'm playing with her against Eddie? That felt weird.
3: Um, a lot of people said that that really just made them feel like this was just a miserable experience. That was really downbeat and mm. just like just no fun. As if one guy said in his review, he pointed out, uh, Naughty Dog said, fun is not a word we like to use. And this guy was like, yeah, it shows. <laughs> <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> but they kind of, um, I think they said like, you know, we, we try to engage, yeah. create an engaging world and experience. Mm. Um, I think I, to me, like I overall, it's-, it's kind of the classic thing of, following up something that's been um, extremely successful. And you've got those kind of, you know, artistic versus uh, commercial decisions to make. Um, How much do you service the expectations of your existing fans versus how much do you make what you want to make and tell the story that you want to make? And I think within the context of a computer game, that seems to be more problematic Mm. just by virtue of the fact that you're expecting people to invest more time and that you're expecting them to literally um, have that experience in the shoes of those characters.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I just think there's, yeah, I mean, I, when I think about the structure of it, I think maybe they could have done things a bit differently that, um, I don't know. Like when I, when I think of like, okay, fine. So um, Joel gets killed, and I'm saying I'm not saying that like Joel shouldn't have got killed. Obviously, it was gutting, and the whole point of it was that it gets you like personally angry because that's who you were in the first game. Fine, that could still happen, but maybe it's a case of like you didn't see who did it, and then at the same time you're playing as someone else. Um in parallel to what you're doing with Ellie. And then suddenly you realise that your second character you're playing in the past and it ends with you being the one that kills Joel or something like that. So that it feels like that you've earned the empathy that you have towards Abby without you being forced to have to empathise. Like, you know, look, this is, it's bad. Violence is bad and all that stuff. And also like, it's a bit shit to make a game which is pure violence and that you go around killing and hor- horribly, you know, torturing people or whatever and then saying, violence is bad, but this game is the most yeah, violent it's, thing. It's a bit weird.
3: There does seem to be a bit of a yeah, uh, paradox involved in that. that. hasn't
2: really been that well thought through. Yeah, it's strange. I mean, like, apparently the cycle of revenge... Um, Druckmann based on his childhood in Israel. Um, and I guess you kind of see that with the, I mean, like, this is making some very broad parallels here, but with, um, you know, the religious nuts, the seraphites, or whatever. Um, and you know, uh, I won't get to go too far down that road, but, um, it's like, yeah, okay. And I thought more would be made of that. Like, I really wanted these, like, separate from the Israeli thing just talking about the story itself. Mm. Um, I really wanted these religious nuts to be like nuts. Like they're kind of hinted at being nuts, but it's like, okay, crazy. And then the rustlers or whatever it is at the end, that's what I mean. That whole end therefore, in California, I didn't really particularly feel that was needed. And I just went out guns were blazing. because I, like, I just want to get this over with now. I just felt mm-hmm. way too long. Um, but yeah, these new, this new faction of ramblers or whatever the fuck it was, um, not heard of you don't hear anything about them in the game and they're just this like biker gang that have basically put people into like slavery and everyone's like man they're fucked up and i'm like yeah are they, are they? like what are they mm. like, okay yeah they're like treating people as slaves but it's like yeah probably there would be people like that but we've seen like cannibals like people breeding people ever to like eat <laughs> like, in the first game it's like i kind of wanted that kind of level of fucked up shit, which I didn't felt like I I got. Um, yeah, which is a
3: bit more escapist as well, isn't it, right? Than having to engage
2: with something that feels a little bit more um maybe you know, realistic. Mm. And I think as well, like with the first game, like Ellie was this point of like a bit of like, yeah, like a breath of fresh air or like a little bit of light heartedness. But there is none of that in the second game. Which yeah. does make it like pure down and it's making it, it does make it super miserable. Um, and it doesn't really feel like there's any actual like hope, like the hope of the game is that people stop killing each other. And then you go and the whole game is you killing people. Um, and that's the kind of thing. It's like, you know, you kill these like nobodies, but it's like one of them could be, you know, have like a sister that's going to get you back for what you did. And it's like, yeah, yeah, but it's not about that. It's just about these important players in the, in the story. Or the dog's wife. Yeah, the dog's wife. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. That's that's why I like with something like this. I'm like, I kind of get what it's trying to do. I don't, th- I don't think it particularly has more of the weight or the engagement the first game did. I think it was too long, and it did kind of stick around too long for me. Um, but it did yeah. play well. It was great. And to be honest, I did, I did really enjoy the story, and I liked the idea of you know, there's a bit when Ellie and Abby are fighting towards the end and they're like drowning each other and you're having to like tap X. And I'm like, I'm not sure who I'm tapping X or tapping square or whatever for. Like, who am I, who do I want to be? It's like, I'm kind of playing it. Yeah. And I'm like, conflicted. yeah, I'm like, I don't know what I want here. Like who I'm controlling. Um, and I suppose that's, you know, part of it and part of playing with the idea of like kind of bringing you into the game. Um,
3: it sounds to me a bit like, you know, again, people saying it's a bit self-indulgent that really he's tried to, you know, if it's one guy, I don't know,
2: what's he called? Druckmann. Yeah, Neil Druckmann. Well, there was, there was another writer who worked on my spot, I forget her name, sorry, but then there's two other guys who like co-directed it. But yeah, I mean, I think the idea is that Neil Druckmann is the guiding hand.
3: It sounds like he's tried to, you know, write something more complex than he's got the talent and experience to handle. Um and maybe maybe that's a bit indulgent and maybe just stick to uh, making a, a simpler game.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that's it. Like, I'm fine with the revenge story. Yeah, I'm fine with it, and I'm fine with it being like you know an evil person who's not necessarily evil who has their own like stuff because that's the whole thing of like, what makes a great villain, right? Is that the villain has to believe that they're doing what they're doing is right. Yes. And that's what makes an interesting villain. Yeah. And we have that in a sense of it's Abby, but she's not a villain. She's, you spend half the game with her. Yeah. She's just as much part of like your experience with the game as is. And that's not to take away from the stuff that you do as Abby as well, because those game sequences, as I said, like stuff in the hospital, the sniper battle against Tommy's good, some great little set pieces and stuff like that. And as a character, she's great. Um, But there's part of me that just thinks, I don't know, like it could have just been handled a bit differently it's a bit of a cheap shot to suddenly go right now you're going to be playing as Abby um and you're going to be spending the next 10 12 hours yeah. playing as, that as the person that you hate and it's like okay there might have been a better way and a cleverer way of doing this than just being like here you go like good luck um I didn't mind it But I can see why people would have a problem with it. But it was fine. It was good. So what would
3: you like to see in a third game?
2: I think in the third game, I would like to see Ellie being like Joel's age, basically, as he was in the first game. And yeah, not necessarily the same plot of like, you have to escort this kid who's, um, you know, immune uh, across the country or whatever. But I think her kind of um, coming to terms with, Um, who she is. So there's an element of like PTSD and all this stuff in the second game and how she needs that cathartic release of like trying to kill Abby to make her, you know, kind of feel better, but it's probably not going to do her any good and all this stuff. And that's part of the realisation and the part of her character arc. But um, I don't know. I think if there's a third one, I think it's more that, um, yeah, it's about Ellie kind of being a bit more like gruff, uh, how Joel started the first game with, which is like being a bit of a smuggler, a bit of a loner and basically learning to be, um, learning to laugh again or something like that, whatever that um, might be. It could be that um, it plays more into the fact that she's um, supposed to be the cure. Maybe it's something that, oh, there's um, someone who's a neurosurgeon or something. Uh, that she has to get to or and finally like give the consent to like die and save and like for the sake of humanity, give herself up and sacrifice herself or something like that um for the cure. Um Something like that would probably be pretty good. Um And how, you know, she's kind of chosen this life where she could have had, she could have been happy with Dina and with the, the baby and all this stuff, but she's, she can't do that to herself or whatever. Um, and maybe she's still struggling with the fact that she never did kill Abby. Maybe it's the fact that Abby comes back and they have to work together. I mean, I thought that's how the second game would end, to be honest, is that they would like work together to kill the Ruffles or whatever they're called, <laughs> <laughs> the Rustlers or whatever. Um, but yeah, that didn't really happen. You just kind of fight each other and spawn off. Yeah. Um, I think that would make an interesting third game anyway, something along those lines. And maybe it's a case of like the fungus virus has got stronger. Um, It's got like a lot worse. It's mutated or something like that, even more so. Um, And things are like a lot worse. So it kind of forces the fact that she has to do something. Um, And I think it would be cool if, the people who are infected and all fucked up with all the fungal stuff and their heads are sprouted open, um, actually you slowly turn back into humans. <laughs> and then you realise like, all those fucking things that you killed along the way and everything. Could have been saved. Could have been saved, yeah. No, <laughs> it doesn't matter by that point, you killed hundreds of people. I should say as well, like um, oh, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll save it actually, I'll save it for Nerd Corner. Um, yes, yeah, there's a couple of Nerd Corner bits, which I think you might find quite interesting. Um, but yeah, what do you think? Knowing I'm going to turn the question back on you, but what do you think, knowing um, what you know now about like the game and the story, all this stuff? What would you think would be an exciting uh, third act?
3: Probably, like we've kind of hinted at that exploration around this sort of causality um, and this cycle of violence. You know, I was just thinking there. You said something about you know, any one of those people that has died could trigger a third game where someone goes looking for revenge on their behalf. But what if you said, you know, there's this idea that there's one person that could help to unlock the uh, the cure for humanity. What if she's killed that person? Mm. Um, could that be explored in some way? Mm. Um, I do like the idea of, of maybe the... Putting the putting the gamer in the shoes of uh, all the or the, the paws of the uh, mm. family of of dogs that have been left mother motherless or fatherless, mm. maybe some yeah like a a pack of valsatian puppies going on a kind of revenge spree. Yeah. Um, I'd like to see those monsters become less derivative as well. Let's make them more mushroom based.
2: Yeah, they, they do. So one of the, I should say, one of the things that, one of the um, enemies that uh, I didn't talk about that should have, um, that was going to lead to this segment, there's a new one called Stalkers. Okay. Um, which is pretty cool. They're my favourite. You only really run into them probably seven or eight times, maybe, throughout the whole game. And thank God, because they are a fucking nightmare. Basically, they when you do your listening mode, they keep very still. So you don't actually see them unless they suddenly move, but they will try and like jump you. Okay. So you might, you might be walking down and then all of a sudden you see like this little head like coming in and out from behind the corridor and you've just got your search, your flashlight, right? She says, you know, what the fuck? And then you put on your hearing mode and you're like looking around and you're like, you can just see something scuttle in your listening mode from like one bit to another and then disappear. Yeah. And you're like, fuck it, stalkers. And what they'll do is they'll try and get the jump on you. And once they do, all the rest of them will start coming towards you. Um, so I think that was a good... I think they were in the left-behind DLC of the first game, uh, which I might go into now. But um, uh, that was a really good enemy. But yeah, I was kind of thinking, yeah, I kind of want to see, like, where does this go? Where more does this end up? And they've got that big giant blob thing, right? But essentially that's just a fucking... Big blob. Like it'd be good to like have more of these like fungus creatures um around uh that are a bit more different from what we had in the first game. I mean like yeah, there was a couple of new additions in this game, but not really. Could have done a bit more with it, I think. Um as you see a bit more fucked up fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, fun designing
3: new horrible monsters.
2: Mm. Yeah. Um, okay, Dan. Should we go into Nerd Corner? What together? Mm. Hold my hand. And let's take can a I, trip. I, can I? Can I have that's not escort? my hand.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's go
2: there.
0: Then. Move, 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 move.
2: And welcome to Nerd Corner, um, Dan. I've got some nerdy facts for you. Okay. Do you want to you? Um, I'm kind of, uh, I haven't got them written down in front of me, but I'm going to tell you them anyway. So there is, uh, in terms of the gameplay, um, I'll kind of get that out of the way first, but well, you kind of unlock stuff once you've completed the game. And there are different modes, such as you can play the game in uh, mirror mode, which essentially reflects the whole um, the whole world as you play through it um which is quite interesting you can put a different uh style graphic style over the top so you can do it eight bit you could do it as a watercolor painting you could do it as those like oh. lucas art style adventure game hmm. um things you can do it black and white you could do it neon you can do it in all these different ways which is quite uh, quite interesting i thought and you can uh have you open up yourself to doing, uh, like unlimited ammo options all this stuff. But one of the interesting things you can do is obviously there's all the difficulty settings. Um, there's an, uh, there's a one which is called grounded. I think it's called, and that you don't have listening mode. You, it's very hard to, um, find any stuff to craft along the way. Um, and yeah, etc. It's, it's more easier to die. Um, So that's supposed to be like the more realistic one. I did that or whatever the hardest difficulty was in the first game and I actually found it a much better experience um, than I did the first time around because it felt a lot more, I was paying much more attention to the fact that I didn't want to die. But there is a new mode which came out recently, which is a permadeath mode. Um, Permadeath? Permadeath. Which means that once you're dead, you're dead. You have to start the game again. (laughs) Um, um, which that's the thing
3: I forget about that about modern games you know it's not, not like in the old days where the game was like you you, you can die the games now seem to be like basically if you're willing to put the hours in you find a way to complete it right
1: mm. but yes. you're
3: saying there could be a situation where you've put in 25 hours yeah. and, and you're like game over you're yeah. dead yeah no continues
2: done yeah which would be harsh um but fair people have done it already they've completed it that way so you know well done that's often um but the real nerdy thing i was going to talk to you about was the fact that um this was all inspired by a um david attenborough um thing for um the bbc that he did oh. one of the many things um where ants um, zombie ants, if you type in zombie ants, David Attenborough, whatever, it will come up. Hmm. Um, but they have this same thing where basically they essentially like get this infection and they get this like fungus mould on them. Other ants literally pick them up and carry them out of the colony. Yeah, um, And they sit there and they basically um, get these like weird Formations on their heads and bodies, and they start moving independently, and they they become zombie ants, and they can infect those. the rest. Yeah, and that's where it came from. So basically, someone whoever saw that Neil Drummond or whatever, and said like, "What if that applied to humans?" Um, and that's where it came from. That's the kind of nerdy little tidbit there for you. That is incredible. Hmm. It's good, isn't it? It's it's
3: well, it's not great if you're
2: an ant. No, well, if you're an ant, then you're pretty gutted anyway, aren't you? Um, (laughs) Not not got much going on. Um, So, Dan, what's your what's your final review on this? Having heard what you've heard and not actually played the game, I'd be interested in what you what you think about it. Um, But I think it's my turn actually, isn't it, to give you a uh, final impression, a voice to do it as yeah, your final for your final impression. So I think I want you, um, seeing as we're doing it about ants, what are you doing in the voice of an ant? <laughs> <laughs> whatever that whatever kind of voice an ant conjures up to you.
3: Well, they're mostly mute, so um, I believe. <laughs> are they? <laughs> I've not heard one speaking, so... Uh... I'll just have to transmit it through my antennae or
2: something. If they did speak, if they were six but tall. Oh, all right, all right. Okay, here we go.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I suggest that you don't invest so much time in this divisive game. Just stay at home and do a nice jigsaw.
2: You sound like someone's grandma. <laughs> <laughs> grandmother aunt.
3: If anyone's grandmother sounds like that, then please take a Telephone double-barreled number. shotgun. Blow the mother away. <laughs> she has been infected with by a deadite. a <laughs> <laughs> deadite.
2: <laughs> Lovely. Well, I'm going to give you my final impression, and that is that this was... Um, I thought it was a fantastic game. But not as good as the first game. Too long, unfortunately. Too on the nose in terms of its messaging. It was, it was trying to hammer things home too much. There was no subtlety whatsoever. Not bothered about the LGBTQ thing. We're I mean, not bothered about stuff like that anyway. Um, I don't feel like, like with this whole thing with Lev, I don't really know. What it was supposed to add, apart from the fact of it's like, oh, he's you know, um, like he like it's all about like, the victim. Like he's a victim because he's trans. Like okay, um, fine. Uh, I don't know. I just don't think it was as clever as it actually thought it was. Um, does that makes sense. Does that make sense? Yeah. But I do think it was good. I enjoy playing it. And I liked the idea of like, you know, violence leading to more violence in a world where that is quite apparent. And also in the last of us world where you're just constantly going around killing people and just trying to survive. Um, and the fact that all this stuff has consequences is good. And I liked, I liked the general Ellie character arc. I liked the Abby character arc, but, um, Yeah, I think it's a lot of good set pieces and a thoroughly enjoyable game. And it is very impressive on a sheer technical visual standpoint. Um, But it's not perfect. That's my final impression. Um, So Dan, let's hear some of the other reviews from other people who aren't us. I hate it.
3: Reviews. going to kick off with one here. Um, see if you think they liked it or loathed it. Okay. So this is Miss A.L. Davison. Hello, Miss Davison. It's pretty grim and gruesome. The deaths are a lot more hard-hitting. If you shoot someone in the leg and they bleed out, they'll scream and writhe for several seconds. There's more fear in their faces when you kill them. They sometimes beg for their lives. The people watching their friends die are more authentically messed up by it. Stuff like that. Not something that will bother everyone, but I'd say that's the nastiest bit of the game. As for the rest, basically it's a game about how much you can mess yourself up in the pursuit of revenge. It's a game that hurts you, then tells you to get over it. Because staying angry will only ever leave you unsatisfied and unhappy it's true to life more so than most of us would like and at times it's frustrating tedious or even in your face insulting the game doesn't care if you like it or not it doesn't care if it makes you feel bad and it doesn't care about making you feel better pretty much every criticism I've seen against the game so far can be answered with yes I know that's literally the point once you get your head around that it achieves exactly what I believe it sets out to achieve.
2: I think that was a, a positive one for it. It's basically saying it does what it says on the tin. What do you expect? Five out of five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of you agree. seem to
3: like the fact that uh, you, get, you, you really see the fear in the faces of people as they scream uh, in, in agony. Yeah. I
2: mean, it's very visceral. It's a proper, like, visceral game.
3: But yeah, I kind of get it. Here's a bad one. Mm. Here is a bad one. Peekaboo gave it only one out of five. Mm. Um, This is a review with the title, This is the game that was given full marks by companies afraid of Sony. Silly, just silly. Um, Here's the review. I can't begin to tell you how disappointed I am with this. First things first, I won't drop major spoilers. Everything you love from the first game is gone. Compassion, caring, and father figure family unit is gone and is replaced by how bad humanity can lower itself. So if you're after what made the first game good, forget it. You'll have 10
2: hours of depression. Is it what made the first game good? Sure, I, think, I don't think I was playing it for the compassion, but I kind of, I kind of see where he's coming from. Did you enjoy
3: the? the I noticed that it only took him ten hours to complete the game, Sam. Fuck off!
2: Ten hours <laughs> cutscenes, ridiculous. There was, um, I did kind of get how, like, I guess a lot of people felt like they got um, fucked over by saying only because, like, in the trailers, for instance, um, one of the trailers ends with like someone putting a hand on his shoulder, and she's like are you doing here? And then it's Joel and he's like, you know, I let you go out by yourself, would you? And then it ended. And so it was kind of hinting that Joel is in the actual game, coming along with you. Whereas in the actual game, the hand belongs to like this guy, Jesse or whatever, who's one of the guys who's the dad of um, the baby who gets killed later on. And he's like, hey, I'm trying to find Tommy or whatever. And a lot of people were like, Sony... (laughs) Literally, like fucked us over. But it's like, well, oh, it's just a trailer. And I, but I do kind of it, understand that they totally manipulated how he felt about it. Um, people said they,
3: they showed me uh, showed some scenes, and um, they'd aged Joel as well mm. to make it look like he's there as an older older dude. Mm. And
2: I that mean, that's like, doesn't so many, happen in the gameplay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know that about the specific bits, but he is like old in the, in the game because he is old because it's like you see him and then he gets killed and then like they made him older yeah and then like what if I don't know like a, a month goes by and then the, that's where the bulk of the game is um, but yeah maybe they did make him even older I don't know maybe
3: and people said that Sony embargoed basically it's like some of the key sections of the game so some of those big I saw it got loads of like 10 out of 10 reviews and everything Um, But the complaint seems to be that people are reviewing based on basically a disingenuous representation of the game. Mm.
2: Yeah, and I find it's weird. I was reading a Guardian review uh, by, I think, what's the name, Keezer and McDonald's, I think, and um, it was basically saying how by having an embargo and making sure that you're not allowed to talk about certain points, takes away from the actual discussion that should be surrounding the game itself. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like you're yeah. taking away discussion points on something that you're, you're saying is important and needs to be discussed. Um, yeah, which, yeah, which I kind of get, cause I don't, don't want to give away plot points, but it's like, yeah, you're kind of defeating. Yeah. People should be allowed to talk about it <laughs> basically. Um, yeah. Sorry. Here's another bad review.
3: Corrupted AI. One out of five. Right. Graphics are good. Mechanics good. Gameplay is literally Last of Us 1.5 because they didn't even bother to add anything. Just a jump. Seriously? That's all they bothered to add? Moving on to the story now. Story makes little to no sense. It's absolutely ridiculous. Muscular transgender woman kills Joel with a golf club just one hour in. They must have really wanted to get rid of him if it was just one hour in. (coughs) Here's a sad fact Sam, can we pipe in some uh, violin here, maybe? Some stirring violin.
2: I'm just doing my voice.
3: A Korean streamer that lost his father at a young age cut up his disc of the game because of the poor portrayal of Joel and the way they brutally killed him. Baffles me, to say the least. They killed him so early on. If you're going to kill a character naughty dog, please at least do it the right way. They had to pick one of the most sadistic ways to kill Joel. He could have died protecting Ellie or something, but no, some transgender girl that is decked out with muscles kills him. This game has some of the most cringe story and writing I've ever seen in my entire life. It's like some nine-year-old's crappy fan fiction. The ending has to be probably the most disappointing ending I've ever seen in gaming history. Ellie kills... Hundreds, if not thousands, to get to the person who killed Joel, just to spare her life. In the end, she had risked her life to get to Abby, just to spare her. In the end, really naughty dog.
2: Really. I mean, again, there's some valid valid points in that. Um, Not so much like I think it's fine to kill Joel early and the way they did because that that's the point is a lot of people kind of got hung up on the fact that it's not like a ceremonious end or something to to him. And it's like, yeah, that's good. Like that's, That's it should be, it should be a shitty like death. Um, because yeah, that's kind of what they're trying to go for is that they want you to hate Abby. They want you to like stir up all these things. Like it's not fair and stuff like that, rather than having this like heroic death and not, it's not always like that. (laughs) Like that's not, it can't, And it's it's kind of like giving. It's weird because they're like, that would be more fanboy service if they were to do that. But um, uh, yeah, but whatever. But but I think yeah, yeah, that is a problem I have. They also had it with Uncharted, right? Which was they made um, this Indiana Jones character. Like he's all this like swab, like hey, whatever, this cool guy, whatever, and like nice, funny dude. During the course of you know four games, you've literally killed thousands of people. He's like a mass murderer, serial killer. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he yeah, he has no problem with just decimating hundreds of people, and then you're like crap smart about it, zero fucking consequence, has zero weight on his mind whatsoever, does not care about killing all these people. And a lot of a lot of people like thought that was a bit weird. In the same breath, it's a computer game whatever <laughs> um but yeah when it again it's kind of like what we were saying before it's weird in a game where he's talking about violence is bad but you have to kill all these people and as he says like at the end you don't kill the one person it matters it's like you literally just slaughtered so many people to get to this point but then the idea is it's not um it's not really she's not really fighting abby as a person but like it's more of like the idea of Abby mm. and what she kind of represents rather than the person herself. Um, if that yeah. makes sense, it's more like a, a character beat, yeah, rather than uh, the reality of someone. So if it's the person that killed John, I'm going to kill them. It's like, what does that actually mean to her? Um, but yeah, I kind of get what this guy's saying as well.
3: Um, any, any more? I've got one more. It's a bit long, but this was the most balanced one that I could find. And mm-hmm. I thought this was quite interesting because this chap, Um, he's an Amazon Vine guy which are those people they get it uh, up front don't they usually they have a track history of of decent reviews he kind of does a little update as he goes through the game so see if you agree with this Um, he's given it 4 out of 5 best looking PS4 story game ever Uh, here's the review I loved the original game I was sceptical about this one would I even like it As I'm at the early stages of the game, here's my initial review. It looks gorgeous. If someone told me I was playing on the PS5, I would have believed them. Um, Story reminds you of how the original ended, where they are now, and you get invested to the story and enemies, starting off easy with some runners before moving on to the harder clickers. There's a lot to take in at first as they move the story on by seven years and introduce you to a lot more characters, but it plays out well. has all the signs of a masterpiece, but only time will tell. Update. Must be about halfway, I'm guessing, of this huge game. One of my favourite ever games. Only criticism is the way the story keeps going back in time. Two months ago, two years ago, five years ago, etc. I would rather play it in sequence. Five years ago, then moving forward. But other than that, I see no faults at all. Overall, I'm not convinced by the story. In the first one you were on the same side. In this switching between two characters who are trying to kill each other, it does not work for me. Would you play a game of football with one team in the first half and a different in the second half without being able to control who wins?
2: quite reductive, but yeah. A
3: summary after completing the game, the story starts off really well but loses itself later on with changing characters and going back a few years. But the gameplay... The third-person shooter with some puzzles is one of the best games available. Overall, I enjoyed it, and will play it again once it comes out on the PS5.
1: Mm,
2: I agree, I'll probably play it again if it comes out on the PS5 and get one. Um, I think, yeah, it, it's, it's fair enough. I think the kind of whole thing with these games in particular is that it's about the characters, and they do kind of flesh out the characters quite well. Um, like with Abby, for instance, it's like you know, she's the whole thing after like killing Joel didn't have zero effect on her either. Like she's the whole game. This is why she kind of helps out the seraphites, right? Is that she wants to like believe she's still a good person because she has tortured and slowly beaten a man to death Yeah, and it doesn't sit right with her. And also people kind of view her differently because she's, they've seen that side of her. Um, and she feels a bit differently because she didn't probably didn't realise she had that side, and um, and yeah, it's her kind of dealing with that and trying to be okay with herself um, and all this. So it's yeah. It's do you think you
3: could? Um, do you think you could batter a man's death with a golf club?
2: Uh, who have you talked to?
3: <laughs> what would be your modus operandi for uh, re- revenge killing? I think a golf club
2: is a pretty like nifty way of yeah. doing it, but I would just get get worried as I'm doing it that it's going to just bend. Like I want something that's going to be a bit more, um, uh, a bit more dependable. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, a baseball bat or something.
3: You want to make sure you're going to get the job done, don't you?
2: Yeah. So you're asking me if I'm going to beat a man to death, what would I use? You don't have to beat him. Okay. <laughs>
3: Many, many options available to you.
2: you ask asking me how I'd kill a
3: man? Essentially, yes. Um, a, man that's, a man that's wronged you, that you've got burning desire to uh, re- avenge someone else's death against.
2: In all honesty, I think, and I've always kind of thought of this, I think knives are fucking horrible. <coughs> I think the idea of like stabbing and slicing someone mm. to death, I think, is always, even though it's the most common thing, especially here in the UK, where there are no guns and whatever, it's always like knife crime. Mm-hmm. Um, I think knife. There's something really fucking horrible about a knife. Like people talk about gun crime and all that and and stuff. It's like, yeah, I get it, but knife knife crime. It feels dirty. <laughs> Basically, there's like a there's something really horribly um base about the whole thing. Mm-hmm.
3: Um, it's very visceral. Horrible. Yeah painful but way if to go Yeah. Well, yeah, so I think... Imagine I, that blade just scratching away between your ribcage. Mm.
2: But there's one bit where, like, in the game, uh, we when you fight Abby, that's with a knife, um, but there's one bit in the game where uh, you're um, playing as Abby, and you're kind of trying to kill someone on the Seraphite um, island, and I can't remember what you use, but you bait... Uh, you use a bowl or something—I can't remember. Maybe you use different things. And you basically have to batter this man to death, and he's like fucking, like his jaw is ripped off at one point, and he's still kind of going for you. And it's like I was just thinking, fucking hell! Like this really is like a battle to the battle to the death, and it, um, yeah, and like yeah, with the knife stashes between Ellie and um, Abby at the end, like you really feel it. And I just think, yeah, there's something about a knife which is. Horrific! Wow. So I'd use a knife. There we go. <laughs> I really want to torture someone. Um, uh. Yeah, but um, yeah, I think that's it, then. That's pretty, pretty intense. Um, but yeah, I'm interested in what other people think. How would kill people? A can of worms. Yeah. How would you yeah. kill someone? How would you? Um, I'd probably stick someone in a rape cage. What's that?
3: It's just a, just a small small cage where they can't turn around. Maybe ten or twelve men come in and brutally sodomise them mm. until they die of uh, internal trauma. That
2: thing.
3: It what? is in my
2: house. Your cage. It's <laughs> fucking bedroom. Yeah. Um <laughs> cool. <laughs> well let's um let's go and see what we're doing next week. Um yes. and I think we're going to be doing a movie now because we did, we've done a game. Yeah. Um, we did TV before that, which is kind of movie-ish, but I think we're going to try and do one from each segment now, kind of going forward. Let's um, do a movie, yeah. Yeah, let's do a movie. Can I click the magical button? Oh, okay. Um. Oh, Okay. Uh, yeah, fine. Sorry, that was the old one. So it's come up with a new one, which is pretty cool. Actually, I wouldn't mind watching it. Um, I think you'll like it, Dan. Okay. It is the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre.
3: Oh, yeah, good. Yeah, would be a good
2: one to do. Um, and I did a fucking dissertation or something on uh, Texas Chainsaw. So, oh, did um, you? Yeah, I might see if I can dig that out. I don't think I uh, have it. But the idea of uh, like the family unit and how it's represented in horror movies at that time in America, um, hmm. but Interesting. Uh, it's a bit too, too highbrow to be honest. <laughs> so, maybe, so. Uh,
3: maybe, maybe just give us the uh, the,
2: this, the conclusion,
3: yeah. Well, I have to we'll rewrite it, I've, totally,
2: I've, I've fucking forgotten it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, well, I guess like next week, then we'll be joining Leatherface and hey. uh, getting down and the some- gang. Imagine loads of tiny little knives killing you. It's basically what a chainsaw is, isn't it? Um <laughs> Yeah, we'll get into it. I'd be interested to do the uh, sequels as well. Um but let's do this first one first. It's a favourite. Um well that's it from us guys. Uh and remember I'll cast our balls at gmail.com. Um Dan, is there anything you kinda wanna say? Conclusion? No. No. Nah no. no, fine. That was the last of us, too. See, I did. Also, us. Yeah, we don't have to say it again. So I'm saying that was what we just said was the last of us, too. Oh, yeah. But just in case, you know, just explain. Yeah, we ruined it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks, everyone. And we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Thanks for joining us on The Oddcast, guys. We're part of A New Winter group. So head on over to anewwinter.com to check out our other shows. Go to patreon.com slash to support the network. You can email us at oddcastoddballs at gmail.com and follow this and our other shows on Twitter and Instagram at A New Winter. So see you next time on The Oddcast.